boom there it is ladies and gents simplifying the fundamentals of business because you know what it could get really really complicated especially right in here in the little noodle we got but if we can make things easier which our guest is going to help us do today then you got a lot better chance of being successful so let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Plus. All right, ladies and gents, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the secrets to buying and selling multiple pharmacy businesses with success. Our guest is a trained pharmacist and business expert who has a knack for simplifying the fundamentals in growing retail businesses. He's known for his framework that focuses on cash flow, profits, and setting up systems that allow your business to run without you. He'll be sharing a story of how he utilized mentors, coaches, and his desire for freedom and adventure to achieve his lifestyle goals. So let's welcome to the show, the retail expert, Mr. Alvin Narcy. Alvin, welcome, welcome to the program. Ah, thank you so much, Anand. Thank you so much for having me. I'm already super pumped to be here after that intro. Of course, man. We're always having fun here on the show. All right, I'm going to start off with the obvious question because I got a bunch of kids. You're in the pharmaceutical business. Tell me it's a legit legal drug drug business. Right. So I'm going to pause you there. I was in the pharmacy business, and yes, it was all legit. I um, cut my teeth building businesses in Melbourne, Australia. And in the retail pharmacy game, and yeah, it was all legitimate and all above table. So <laughs> no funny business uh, at all. Yeah, no funny business. All right, let's get into this thing then. Um, I, I talk to entrepreneurs all day long. Uh, a lot of them have moved over to an online online space just because of post-COVID, right? But prior to COVID, everything was retail, brick and mortar all the way. And today we've kind of shifted, but you're here to help people with their experience in retail. Um, how has that changed for you? What are you, what are you talking about? Like if you can break your business model down or how, what you do to help people so that like a fifth grader could understand it, what is it that you do? Okay. So in, in my elevator pitch, one little sentence is basically I help retailers um, increase their freedom and their personal freedom and time and grow their business fast by helping them with the fundamentals of their retail business. So that's basically what I do. And I got into this, uh, I like I mentioned, I was running pharmacy-based businesses in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, then COVID hit and COVID in the pharmacy game was really, really good to be in the pharmacy game. And so I decided to sell my business. And then I decided to go on the next chapter of my life, which is to help other retail business owners grow their businesses as well. So what happened? Like, uh, I, there's a lot of people who had different experiences when it came to COVID. For my students, it was like, oh, man, I got to do high school from a computer. That was a little bit different. For retail, they experienced something completely different. We had a lot of industries uh, lay a lot of people off and shut down. You had a little bit different experience. Tell me what happened to you guys for COVID. 
Absolutely. So I was in the pharmacy industry, uh, pharmacy retail in Melbourne, Australia. And so, you know, we were one of the essential services, right? So we had to be open and we were open because people still were getting sick. And of course, with the advent of the pandemic, there were all sorts of questions and, you know, having to deal with doctors. And basically we were one of, you know, what they, they use that term, the frontline workers. So we were there in the frontline all the time, myself and my team. Uh, in in retail world in pharmacy. So it didn't really change that much for us, except it got a lot busier. And of course, like every good retailer, we had to sort of adapt our business model. So we had to start to work out how we could communicate with patients a lot better because some people weren't able to come in. We had to organize deliveries of medication. We had to come up with new ways of communicating with doctors and other allied health personnel because, you know, the whole chain of sort of supply or communication was totally disrupted and of course in healthcare everybody was so so busy so we had to manage all these different things and then of course if you're in retail you're also managing your team so back then in the early days of the pandemic we had to be you know if somebody had like a runny nose or a little bit unwell you know we had to make sure they stayed at home because we didn't know what the risks of getting COVID were and coming into the pharmacy and then infecting everybody else. So it got pretty hairy, you know. Sometimes we really were running on minimal staff and we kind of had people at the door only allowing a certain number of people into the store. So it got really, really fun like that. So it was an exciting time, really. So let me ask you about the communication. Let's start off there, right? Um, Things changed drastically for the way we communicated, the way we even walked in the store. I remember uh, at some point walking into Walmart and the shelves were like completely empty, uh, trying to check out. And there was like dots on the floor where you can stand. So for a retail business to have to make such a dramatic shift like that, those are lessons that you absolutely have to learn kind of on the fly. I remember for me, some of the greatest business lessons I learned was actually as I was failing in my first business, you kind of have the opposite effect. The lessons you're learning are coming at you get a fire hose of new rules, regulations, and client base, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so, you know, we were a suburban pharmacy. So exactly with the client base, you know, the central business area was shut down because the government shut it down. So a lot of people were working from home. And as a result, you know, we were the suburban pharmacy down the road and we were we were having to deal with a lot more people. So coming into the store, which is a great high quality problem. And so we had to quickly adapt on how to handle all these uh, extra customers, how to handle the dots on the floor, how to regulate the amount of people into the actual physical space because our government back in Oz, they had guidelines on how many people per square meter. So we had to do all that kind of nightclub thing out the door, have somebody out the front kind of ushering people in and out. But it was a really, really good time. It was a great time to innovate. And not just for pharmacy, but a lot of other retailers, those that pulled their head out of the sand and were able to look at the opportunity that was around them, were able to adapt their business model. And so, you know, we just happened to do that as well. But I think a lot of people came out of a lot of really good retailers. Those that adapted came out of it really, really well. And as such, after the pandemic is sort of over, if you will, They've been able to apply their lessons and learnings and systems they've generated and been able to continue to grow their business, their retail business moving forward. So, you know, in in a way, it was a really good way to give all the lazy retailers a little bit of a slap 
and uh, all the perhaps retailers who were sort of caught napping a little bit to sort of get up and start to do things. So another thing you mentioned was staffing and you, you talk about, you know, giving a little slap and having to deal with new regulations and, and new rules as well as keeping people just there to open the door. I'm assuming that the staffing issue that you went through there kind of never really goes away for retail businesses because you still have to have somebody to show up and open the door, somebody to run the cash register, somebody to maintain the facility. You know, there's still staffing things that that you have to maintain in a retail business. What are some of those fundamentals when it comes to staffing that you really had to like put your weight against when you were working in through the pandemic that you kind of now teach people like this is a necessity, this is a must? Absolutely. So I was very fortunate in, I made a whole heap of mistakes very earlier on uh, when I was trying to build my businesses, right? Like 12 years ago, I was working with business coaches and luckily I learned through my business coaches and mentors, I learned sort of how to set up the fundamentals, which is what I'm doing now. But one of the main things is when it comes to human resources and the fact of staffing is you always want to make sure, and we always did well during the pandemic, was continue to sort of nurture our team and nurturing our team happens, continue to have those team meetings, that staff meetings, making sure that your team is continually engaged. We're constantly training our team, uh, making sure that we've got sales targets set up. And I think the most important thing for every retailer is this concept I was taught very early on, which is to always be hiring. So that means, because, you know, retail is very fickle because quite often we have part-time, you know, staff members, we've got high schoolers, university people and people entering the part-time workforce because they're moms and dads and so forth. So at any point, especially if you're a smaller retailer, it's very easy for, like you mentioned, for one person to be sick or not be able to come in and you sort of really stretch thin in your business. And many of us retailers, no one's really taught us how to run a retail business, right? Like who teaches you how to run a business unless you go to MBA school? Even then the corporate thing sort of doesn't translate too much down into, you know, running a small to medium-sized enterprise. But one of the things is the key, I think, is to always constantly be hiring. So what do I mean by that? I think we always need to have ads up, whether it's on our shop front door, on websites around, always be looking for the right talent and always have a process for that so we can deal with all the new applicants coming in. And, you know, I think the great, the mindset shift that retailers need to make is if we get someone that's a superstar, we can put them in our business and they'll actually help grow our business as well. I think that's one of the mindset mind, uh, mindset shifts whoa, that we need to work through with as retailers is, you know, we're always really constricted. We feel like we need to save money on our um, human resources or our wages or our employment costs rather than switching the uh you know, flipping the switch and thinking, if I get somebody in, I can, they can help me grow my business. So, you know, so during the pandemic, we were always hiring, we always made sure we had really, really good staff and continue the development. I think that's really important. Because at the same time, you need to keep your team engaged, right? 
Yeah, it, it, the turnover cost, I don't think employers uh, really understand what the cost is when you turn somebody over like that. When somebody comes into your to your facility, you got to train them. You got to bring, bring them up to speed. There's that cost of when they make mistakes, you know, whatever it is that they're doing when they're learning that, that entire process. And then for you to go through all that and then have them leave and start the process all over again. Those are very cost, uh, very costly things that happen in a retail business. Now we got a room full of 17 year old kids that are actively always looking for some of these jobs. What makes, what can they do to kind of stand out for some of these retailers to, to want to hire them and kind of shorten that learning curve as best they can, if they can come in prepared ahead of time. That's a really great question. It's not something I've ever answered before, but it's something that I've thought about very, you know, a lot because I think if you're a young high schooler and you really want to work in retail, I think one of the great things to do to make yourself stand out is actually to take the initiative, right? Obviously to get up there and go and visit that store. I think you need to come across as conscientious. So you want to make sure that, you know, when you present yourself to your potential employer or where you want to work, that you come across as trustworthy, that you understand what they're going through, that you're going to give a sense of reliability and punctuality and an eagerness to learn, right? Because as retailers, we all know it's not very few of us are specialized retailers, but what we need is people that are eager to learn and happy to learn so that we can continually train and develop them. I think there's some of the real the key points that as you know a young high schooler, if you're going for a retail job, is to just show that keenness, right? And by taking that first step by and being proactive, I think is really, really important. And, you know, tidy up a few things. Make sure your Facebook is looking okay. Your Instagram hasn't got too much, too many naughty things because as employers, we do check up on that. So just tidy a few things up. And then you've got a great chance of making a really, really good impression in the marketplace to a potential employer. I heard a story once for uh, for a young person that wanted to get a job at a specific retail location. He walked in. He's like, are you guys hiring? And the guy was like, no. So he's like, okay. And he kind of walks around the store, starts putting things on racks where they're supposed to go, starts folding things. At the end of the day, you know, the guy kind of realizes he's still there. And he walks out. And he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, you know, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Comes back the next day. He's like, you're hiring? No. Stares around, walking around, picking things up. He's like, well, if you're going to be here, I might as well pay you to, to stick around. And I, that kind of shows the story of, you know, your eagerness to learn and, and to take that initiative to just be that person. There aren't people, very many people like that, that are taking on that initiative. And I think as a business owner, when we see something like that, those are the all-stars that you're talking about. Those are the people that maybe start at the bottom to get into this entry position, but they're the ones who end up running your stores for you. They're the ones who really stand behind your brand. So it's rare to find them, but when you do, you can really harness that, that power. What are some other problems that you see retailers going through? Hiring was one, communication was another. What are some of the other core fundamentals? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the fundamentals is... At as retailers, many of us don't have clarity of the numbers in our business. And it's a really, really big mistake. And the reason this happens is it's really, one, we're so crazy putting out fires in our retail business, right? We may even get reports from our accountants or bookkeepers every month, but amidst the barrage of all the paperwork they send us, it doesn't really make any sense. But I think the missed opportunity here for retailers is to get a basic understanding of their numbers and to keep it really, really simple. So that's one thing. 
and and that's what I work with uh, my retailers to do. Because once you start to understand the numbers, you can start to do some really fun things like track and measure and compare. And then you can start to easily build a business that you can basically run with levers. And what I mean by that is you can start to manipulate certain strategies and numbers in your store and you'll have quantitative evidence of what's happening and how your business is growing. I think the other fundamental thing is as retailers, we sort of don't really understand the flow of cash through our business and we've got no way of flushing our bank account with cash, right? Because there is a constant focus on top line revenue and don't get me wrong revenue is great it's one it's a great driver of business but i think many of us retailers we totally focus on that from the beginning rather than focusing on cash flow because if we you can have a high revenue business and then but if you haven't set everything up properly you're, you're going to run out of cash and then you're we're literally going to be choking in the growth phase or even running out of money to pay your bills your suppliers and even your team and worst of all, you're going to run out of money to pay yourself. So I think clarity of the numbers is really important, making sure that you have systems in place to generate cash. And I think in relation to revenue, I think that the profitability component is so, so important. As retailers, I think it's really important we focus on profitability because that's ex it affects so many things in our business. It affects how well we're doing and how much money we're taking home. And also, at the end of the day, it, it's a really good metric to see what our business is worth. So those are the three major mistakes I see retailers making when they're trying to grow their business. And, and that's what I help them with. Let's uh, let's dive into that a little bit. Clarity in numbers, because uh, when you think when I think of retail, I always think inventory and everybody hates to do mm. inventory. Right. What do I got in stock? But with technology today, especially with the ability to just scan uh, SKUs with QRs or whatever, you can really, really dive into your numbers and know what is turning in your inventory and how fast it's turning for you to be ordering. So you can kind of manage that cash flow. When I think retail, I also think seasonal cash flow. You know, uh, from about October to December, it's huge Christmas shopping. But for the rest of the year, there's not a lot of that top line revenue coming in. And it got me thinking about uh, recurring revenue models. Are you seeing more uh, memberships or some sort of recurring revenue models in a retail business to kind of substitute some of those cash flow problems that a seasonal traditional retail business might be struggling with? Yes, absolutely. I think that seasonal component is really important. I want to touch on that because part of like looking at your inventory and cash flow forecasting and recording is understanding the, the troughs in your business. And I think it's really important that, you know, all our businesses, whatever we're niching in, whether it's pharmacies, shoe stores, etc., cetera, uh, we all have different seasons in our business. So it's really important to be mindful of that. So and, and staying on top of your inventory is so important because that just sucks all your cash up because if you've got stock sitting on the shelf uh, you, and it's not selling, it's just money that you're losing. So subscription models. Yes, subscription models are going great. And this is particularly uh, prevalent in the e-commerce side of retail, of which I also look after. I have lots of clients uh, in that space as well. So... I think what we're seeing with the recurring revenue model, and I'm seeing this with the clients who run coffee businesses and gift businesses, it's so important. And it's it's such a new-ish kind of a concept that a lot of retailers are now taking on. And it's a great way to build up that recurring revenue. So when those troughs go down, you know you have a steady income coming in. 
And I would argue that most retailers, it's a little bit easier in the e-commerce space. And especially if you're niche down and you have a particular target market, it's such a good idea to think about how you can curate some sort of auto ship or monthly delivery or subscription type model as well. So it's, it's a great strategy for, um, for growing your business, your retail business. Yeah. I, I love that uh, recurring revenue model. It does a number of things. I mean, you you can predict what your year is going to look like. You know what kind of cash flow you're coming in on a month-to-month basis. The difficult part, I think, is what you were describing here at the end is kind of formulating an, an idea of what can be part of your subscription model. Uh, I know that I have a subscription uh, to like AMC, for example. I don't pay for my AMC tickets anymore. I have that AMC stubs. I just I just go to the app. I pick my movie, three movies a week. I can watch as many as I like. But awesome. there are weeks that go by that I don't go to the movies at all, and AMC is still collecting that revenue. My wife uh, has the Ipsy, Ipsy bag that shows up every single month. It's a, a bunch of different products. If she happens to like any of the products, she can go in and buy but most of the time she just forgets about it and she gets this nice little bag that comes in every month. But it's that recurring revenue model that allows these retailers to maybe show off some of their new products, to maybe show uh, continue a, a, a core product that they want, that they know is, is very valuable. When you're speaking to these retailers and they're trying to kind of figure out what kind of model to, to create, do you, do you go down to that core product or do you kind of let them expand and see where the market's going to take them, like uh, maybe reinventing the way they do it, like the AMC model, for example? I'm, I'm smiling because this is such a big mistake that a lot of retailers uh, make and they get this wrong. And I'm smiling because this is something that I help my retail clients with. So I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is that we as retailers are very unclear on who our target market is. And, you know, many of us retailers, we kind of cater for everybody. And, you know, that's okay, but we're gonna get much better results if we can get an understanding of who our target customers are. Now in retail, we may sell a lot of products and have a different, what we call categories. So you might have a few ideal customers, if you will. And I think once you start to know and understand and really do the behind the scenes homework on who your ideal customers are, you can start to look at what problems do they have and what problems can we solve for them. And once you're really clear on who you're serving, it makes it really, really easy for you as a retailer to start to develop a whole suite of products and services and you start to curate things. And then from there, it's like, you know the path that you need to go down. And the only way you're going to get distracted is just by testing and measuring and trying different things. But you're not going to go outside of that that path of, of junk of trying to figure out what kind of products to use. So I think it's really, really important to know your ideal client or clients within the demographic that you're serving. And, and it just makes it so much easier for you then to, one, stock your store and then curate products uh, and services that you want to do on this uh, recurring revenue model. So it's really important to know who you're serving. And this, as you know, this applies to every single business, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in retail or you need service. You just need to know exactly who you are serving so then you can become laser focused. And then that and that sorts out the marketing you need to do, that sorts out the products you need to carry and how you need to communicate with them. So yeah, that's so important. On my whiteboard, I have this permanent four boxes that have been there all year. And anytime one of my students are asking me about any aspect of business, I'm always like, look, this is the process. 
Um, it starts with attention. You got to be able to grab your customer's attention. Then you got to be able to take their data, name, email, and phone number. Then you can go ahead and make a sale and a really true successful business not only makes a sale, but finds a way to extract more cash going down the road, continuous sales. And that's what I feel like you're describing here. It literally does that. The only piece we didn't really talk about, which is I think super vitally important is if, if even if I want to do a recurring revenue model, even if I wanted to do some sort of some, some something like that, I need to have an email list. I need to have a list of clientele that I can that I can do business with, not just somebody that gets foot traffic that comes by my store, walks in and makes a purchase. To acquire that email list is really, really valuable. And I don't think a lot of uh, business owners understand the value in having that data and what they can do with that. You're literally on a podcast to grow your business, to grab attention and kind of collect that data. Can you kind of talk to that, uh, to that model and what, how important Absolutely. it is? Absolutely. You're, you're so right. It's such an underutilized tool, the collection of emails. And the way we do that in retail world is through your loyalty program, right? Hopefully, uh, it used to be a couple of years ago, five, seven years ago, it used to be very cost prohibitive for a small to medium-sized retailer to implement a loyalty program. And just to step back to uh, make sure that everybody understands what a loyalty uh, program is, it's, it's exactly what Hernan said, making sure that we collect emails at, at the very minimum. But the great thing about retail loyalty programs now, it starts to, you know, when somebody shops within your store, we scan the card and we can start to see what products they're buying. And then from there, you've got all this information because then you can now start to curate and get an understanding of your customer base. And then you can say, oh, Henan, he constantly buys the red lipstick and, and always buys Revlon and Maybelline. And then so we know, hey, there's a high chance that he might buy another color lipstick as well. So we can start to market uh, the, the, the kind of product to him as well. So loyalty program, so important. And what I want to say about that now, it, it's so cost effective now in the marketplace. Uh, I think we just need to work through the resistance uh, that retail business owners have about implementing something like this because the powerful, it's so powerful to have these customers' details there with you. And once they shop with you once, and if we can delight them by sending them an email or say, hey, Hanan, thanks for coming to our, uh, our retail store. Here's a voucher to use next time. Then they're just it's just builds loyalty and all the statistics will show us that somebody that's on your loyalty program or email list, their basket size, which is a really big thing, their spend in store with you is always going to be higher. And there are so many stats on that. I think for many retailers, it's really important that we start to go down this road and look at collecting emails and have a loyalty program in place. I mean, it's so cheap now to do, and it's just a no-brainer, and every retailer should be doing it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of us, there's still that mindset belief that we can't execute in store, but you're missing out. You're leaving money on the table, and also you're, you're missing out on the opportunity to delight your customers, right? We're in retail, and we're all competing. E-commerce is competing with the bricks and mortar, and one of the great things that we can do is to continuously delight our customers and, you know, when you when you get an email saying, hey, here's a voucher or, you know, we have this particular product on uh, that's a promotion and that totally appeals to you, that makes you want to go into store. 
Yeah, it's it's that entire experience. The more you know about a particular client, the less it's going to cost you to market to that client. The more revenue you're going to get from that client, the better experience they're going to have shopping with you in general. And you get that from the data that you're collecting as you build that email list, as you track what they're buying from you. All great things. I mean, think about I I, I watch Shark Tech and they always talk about customer acquisition costs, right? The customer acquisition costs can be so high. Why would you want to waste that by not collecting their name, email, and phone number and continuously selling to that person? You already spent the money to acquire the customer. Keep the customer, right? That's the goal is to keep the customer long-term. You agree or disagree? Agree, 100%. And here, this is just a mindset shift that we need to work through as retail business owners, right? I, I, like I said, I think they think it's too hard uh, to implement in-store. That's one of the biggest barriers I see because we're overcomplicated. And as retailers, you know, retail business owners, we're wearing so many hats within our store. So it can, it can get a little bit overwhelming, but which is why you need to work with a coach or a mentor or somebody that can sort of guide you through this space as well. But yeah, you're just leaving so much money on the table and, and also you're, you know, you're not enhancing the customer experience. Alvin, we're getting low on time here. Um, if people want to work with you, what is that process like and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, I work with retailers and I help you grow your business really, really quickly so that you can create more time and freedom for yourself. Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, hashtag down there. Send me a message and we can carry on for that. Uh, you know, we can continue the conversation and see if we're the right fit and how I can help you in your business, in your retail business. Now, I got one fun question, one here uh, towards the end. You've probably been on a number of different podcasts, and uh, your episode 1098, I'm hoping that with practice becomes, uh, I, I can't say perfection, but a lot better than when we first started. What was your experience like on the business, bros? Oh, it was great. I really love the energy. I, I think you're an awesome host. And uh, it's it's also really great to know, thank you for telling me that I also was speaking to a classroom of young potential entrepreneurs or young potential minds. I think that's a really, really great idea. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited that uh, a few people got to hear this and uh, very excited for their future to be hanging out with someone like you, Hannah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I hope they do too, because uh, <laughs> I... You know, bringing the podcast into the classroom was I was kind of worried about it at first, but then I thought, you know what, how else are they going to meet other entrepreneurs that are doing things they probably never would have thought of on their own? Like this at least opens the door to, to people's eyes to see, look, this person's doing this, this person's doing this. That really caught my attention. I want to know more about that. And that's the idea behind bringing it in. All right, ladies and gents, uh, look, retail is tough. It, it already is has a very low success rate, you might as well find somebody who's really doing a good job at it and use them as a mentor, use their skills, their experience, their network to help grow what it is you're doing. We literally talked about a couple different things on today's episode. Probably the most important one is find yourself a mentor who can help you succeed because all the other pieces, we can kind of put them in place and your business is probably a little bit different than everybody else's but the fundamentals are key so make sure you guys reach out to alvin one more time i'm gonna drop his social right here at the bottom alvin narcy business coach uh you can find him on social uh hit him up send him a dm see where you're at have that communication and see where it goes alvin thank you very much for being on the program today ladies and gents we'll catch you guys on the next one peace and thank we're out you. it's over 
go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.